0: Welcome back to the Film Alchemist podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, uh, joined again by my co-host on this double feature extravaganza, Carmelita
1: Vasquez Valdez
0: Valdez McCoy. God damn it! I had two two moments and I blew them both. God damn! It. I've
1: been called much worse.
0: <laughs> well. <laughs> Normally, I wait it. until after the show to talk bad about people. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm sorry. All right, Carmelita is rejoining us. This is our second half of the double feature. Uh, if you guys haven't, we talked about Carrie. I hope you go find that show. Or maybe you're just here for the Baby Jane action. That's fine, too. Uh, so, I just kind of jumped the shark. This is Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Um, Really long title. I like movies that have strangely long titles mm-hmm. for some reason. <laughs> And I have to say, I remember finding this in film school. It was, uh, I think, I did like the thing where I saw Sunset Boulevard, and I'm like, I want every movie that's exactly like that. Yeah. And this one popped up. I am honestly shocked that this movie is kind of a forgotten gem for a lot of people. Hmm. I don't know why it's disappeared. I feel it's almost creepier than Sunset Boulevard. That's the one I feel like everyone still holds up. Right. This one is really nerving to me it's dark it's really dark and then like you were saying there's this fun wrinkle now that hopefully it's getting more shine because they did the fx show mm-hmm. uh feud which i did not watch but now i'm desperately waiting to watch <laughs> like i'm really excited now that i watch this movie uh i told you i actually had a brain slip up and i thought you had chosen to watch mommy dearest another movie uh that i had not seen actually i had never seen mommy dearest I watched that movie, right, about Joan Crawford's exploits with her daughter, allegedly. Um, and I I was questioning why you picked it. I was like, this movie is unrelentingly brutal and fucking depressing. <laughs> and she's just sitting there, like, pouring cleaning chemicals on her kid and beating mm-hmm. her. I was like, what do you say about Mommy Dearest except for, goddamn, she's a bad mom.
1: <laughs> what the fuck is going on? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So when I reread our messages and I was like, oh, thank you, God, whatever happened to baby Jane? levity it was like the little bit of levity i got in my mommy dearest (laughs) watching so i will toss it to you um explain to me your love for uh whatever happened to baby jane and why you thought this would be a great movie to talk about today
1: oh yes so i was i was trying to think i always try to think about when was i introduced to a film because a lot of times that kind of gets me thinking about what it was that drew me to it and i think Right. If I remember correctly, I used to watch hours and hours of Turner Classic movies back in the day oh, before streaming yeah. when you would just like mm-hmm. put on the TV and you just get what you get. And Turner Classic movies was one of those. You could put that on and there's going to be something interesting. <laughs> and so I, I remember seeing it like in bits and pieces. And I was drawn to it because I was a fan of Betty um, Betty Davis. Um, and I was familiar with Mommy Dearest. I wasn't that right. familiar with Joan Crawford's actual <laughs> films. I was more, I was more familiar with Mommy Dearest because I grew up with Mommy Dearest. So,
0: so you're just like a movie where Betty Davis abuses Joan yes! Crawford. I mean, <laughs> yes! I must say, having watched Mommy Dearest and then immediately watching uh, Baby Jane, I was kind of team Baby Jane. <laughs> Which I don't think is the intended (laughs) result.
1: It's not the intended (laughs) result. Over the years, I've explored Joan Crawford's films. And so I have an appreciation for Joan Crawford, the actor, that I'm able to separate from Joan Crawford, the personal life train wreck. (laughs) But (laughs) this film, I think, is really interesting because it's really dark on paper. Like, I would challenge anyone who's never looked it up like on Wikipedia Mm -hmm. to read the synopsis on paper. This movie is dark, but because it's campy, there's this element of camp to it that makes it so watchable and it's, it's kind of unsettling, but it's also kind of funny in parts.
0: Yeah. It's the, it's the Edwin effect. Yes. The thing that does not belong in the movie. Absolutely. is really enjoyable in the film. Yes. You know, it's so strange because I was thinking as I was watching, I was like, you know, this is probably what should have happened in Joan Crawford's actual life. Not should have. (laughs) Like, she should have been tied up. But I was like, as you watch Mommy Dearest, you could imagine her kid becoming Betty Davis and just being like, fuck you, you old piece of shit. Right. Until she married the Pepsi dude. Yeah, yeah. So – I actually looked up because this is really funny because, again, I was not – I'm not wildly familiar with both of their works, right? Like, I've seen the – I do the thing like everyone else where you're like, all right, who's the actress? I got to, like, bone up on the uh, filmographies. Right? So I've done some of that, but I wasn't wildly familiar. Um, I was looking up some trivia from this movie on Ooh, IMDB. hit me. There is some hilarious shit. Also, first off, I did not realize Betty Davis was the first actor or actress of all time to garner 10 Academy Award nominations. So that's cool. Yeah. Uh, This one I love, though. Betty Davis had a Coca-Cola machine installed on set (laughs) to deliberately provoke Joan Crawford, who was married to uh, the chairman of Pepsi. (laughs) Um, They actually, when she's imitating Joan Crawford's voice, Mm -hmm. they actually use Joan Crawford's voice. What I read is that Joan Crawford's like, I'm not letting her do an impression of me (laughs) on camera. Which I'll actually get to because I think the camera or the the impression scene is really good. God, what's the other one I read that was cracking me up? I'll find it later. But that Coca-Cola machine. Yes. I fucking – the Coca-Cola and you're not allowed to do impressions of me. (laughs) It just sets a really good headspace for the kind of feud that was happening during this set. Yeah, It's one of those movies where you're – I can't believe that there was no actual physical violence that erupted. I know they were both old ladies at the point but the vitriol and the hatred is real. It's palpable. It's so fucking real, especially Betty Davis, right? Yeah. Crawford has to dial it back a little, but Betty Davis, I mean, you I don't even know. Obviously she's a very acclaimed actress, but it just feels all the way like, oh, this is the most fun she's ever had in a movie. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's it's a really it's really cool if you if you explore a little the films they did earlier in their careers and they had lengthy careers and they had both been like very glamorous, sophisticated, um, celebrities and acclaimed actors. And they're taken very seriously. And by the time this film comes around, they're in their fifties. I think, Joan Crawford was in her late fifties and Betty Davis was like in her mid fifties and you know, the, the parts aren't the same You kind of become invisible. You don't have the same sex appeal, all that kind of stuff. It's like, you know, what parts do you get at that point playing someone's grandmother, you know, whatever. Yeah.
0: Especially back then. Yeah. Most
1: definitely. (laughs) And so this, movie give them so much to do yeah. and i love that they just went for it yeah. um my understanding is that betty davis did her makeup like that that makeup the way that it's executed was her idea for baby jane that really garish almost like stage makeup but like around the house
0: yeah she almost looks like a wax figure like yeah. a melted wax figure of the yeah. Baby jane doll it's what i love like I mean, you set a really good stage in what you just said, right? The fact that here are two women who desperately hate each other. They're at the end of their run, and their last chance at a good role is will you be on stage with your nemesis mm-hmm.
1: right
0: and kind of sitting there and acting out your real life, yeah, you know this whole you know I mean again, it just so much reminded me of the Mommy Dearest movie. Because it is just this, you know, at a certain point, they're just like, all right, bye. And it gets into this psyche of how there's this thing that they do in the movie a lot with especially baby Jane, which is. Half when an actor stops acting and looks in the mirror, mm-hmm. what the fuck do they see? Yeah, this movie does this to terrifying effect a couple times. times. Uh, the most notable is kind of I think it's about halfway through the movie. When she's kind of singing as baby Jane. And this is one of those great, like, I love these old black and white studio things. I just love them. But she's singing the letter to Daddy, and the voice is just gone. It's horrendous to watch. Uh, that song, by the way, terrifying. It's like creepy. even when she sings it as a cute kid, I was like, oh God, what yeah. like you guys are watching this? Is it family enjoyment? Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Maybe I'm extra sensitive as a dad. I was like, don't be writing to me. That's weird. No, it's I'm weird. Dead.
1: And if you notice. Later when Edwin is there looking at all the sheet music, like all her songs are like songs to daddy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cause her dad is the one yeah, we'll get into her we'll psyche get, a we'll little get there. more. The the shot though, and this is the shot of the movie to me, is when she's singing her song and it's kind of the first time we see her dust off the old act. She steps forward and she's underneath the light now. Mm-hmm. And the harshness of the light in the dark room. Uh, kind of shows this, you know, just weathered visage, right? Yeah.
1: And
0: it's like it's fine. You're in your mid fifties and sixties. You shouldn't have to give a fuck about keeping everything tight and right. You know, age. It all happens to all of us. And you just see her have this moment of, what is that in the mirror? And just melting the fuck down. Yes. And it's again, Betty Davis gets the more fun and glamorous role. To play, I actually wondered as I was watching this movie, if they both fought over that role. Like, wouldn't you rather be Baby Jane than Blanche?
1: I mean, there's more to do, definitely. And it's it's the role that is the most memorable. Yeah, There's more to work with. Um, and I think just from the, you know, little anecdotes that I've read, um, especially when it came Oscar time. There, you know. Betty Davis did get a lot of accolades because the Baby Jane character is just so memorable and just so insane. Yeah. Um and the Blanche character is more subdued. It's quieter. Um and Joan Crawford's doing a lot with her face. Like she does yeah. really um she embodies that quiet desperation. Yeah. But it's just it's not as memorable and, and I think I've I've read here and there that you know she was concerned, Joan Cropper was concerned, that she wasn't getting enough credit for the success of the film. Right. Because, you know, the role just isn't it isn't as out right. there as the baby Jane I mean, character. I,
0: the thing that she gets, right, is that she gets to play the role of, well, I was the bigger movie star in real life. You know this kind of like proxy mm-hmm. fighting that happens in this movie? I think the, there's some really fun stuff that Blanche does in this movie that I do think she doesn't get a lot of credit for, right? Yeah. Other than the screaming, kind of like, ah, you put a rat on my tray, right? Once Jane's like, oh, I'm just going to feed you rodents and your bird now. Your pet bird. Yeah, there's this terrifying descent. What I noticed in Joan Crawford's performance, uh, this time viewing it that struck me is there's probably four or five moments where you, she could just end this. Yeah. All she has to do is yell. Just fucking yell. Like, why throw the paper, just yell out the window and say, call the cops
1: mm-hmm. when Edwin's
0: there. Scream. Right. You know, when uh, baby Jane gets on the phone and does the impression of her with the doctor after kicking her in the face a bunch. Yeah. Scream. Scream. Like, why, as an actress, why did you lose your voice? And I think the way you phrased it, the quiet desperation, it's that. And then there's this extra layer of it feels as if she's kind of complicit. She's allowing this to happen to her on this weird level. And it adds a really chilling effect to Blanche because you feel constantly as something else is going on. And they show us multiple times that she's lying to baby Jane constantly. Yes. Which no one can blame you for because baby Jane seems a little bit unstable. Right? Yeah. She's not (laughs) an appropriate person to give insight to. But – i do think the subtlety of that performance um it's kind of hard right it's like jodie foster in silence of the lambs where Mm -hmm. you just get absorbed by i mean that's what we go to movies for just these big wild things man i think i think it's hard when you are across from that and i i I was struck by i wonder if joan crawford was like fuck i should have fought to be baby jane (laughs) Cause it's weird, cause it's wildly unflattering for Betty Davis. Yeah, and it really highlights, you know, her in an unflattering way. Whereas every time we see Blanche, she's kind of regal. She has like beautiful pictures of her younger yeah. self on the wall. So it's it's a give or take. I I do wonder though. Mm-hmm. I wonder if there was any thought to that. Like I should fight for that role.
1: Yeah, I mean, and who would blame her? Cause it, it it is one that like I think a first viewing. Or a casual viewer, yeah, you might not pick up on a lot of the little things that the Blanche character is doing Mm
0: -hmm.
1: that if you kind of watch it a few more times, if you're like really looking for it, there is a lot to her. It is just more like low key.
0: Well, it's she has to walk this tightrope of giving us some kind of intrigue and being, what is wrong with this lady? Mm-hmm. But also being wildly sympathetic, right? Yes. The kind of ruse of the movie is, look at how good of a sister she is, right? She's taped to her own hand thing, but still she cares a little bit. And you're like, in my brain, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, just start handling this. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. But it's really, it's it's a subtle build. To her kind of reveal. The ending's a whole other thing. Yeah. Um. What did you take of... When you watch the opening scene, I find the opening of this movie to be really fascinating. It is. The So walk me through your first thoughts on uh actual baby Jane and the doll and <laughs> the letters and daddy. Yes. And the ice cream. Walk me through. There's a lot there. Whatever you want to dive into.
1: So, and I... I haven't done a lot of research, so I don't I don't know if this was intentional. I don't know if you're familiar with the musical Gypsy.
0: The musical Gypsy. No, that's an Alex thing.
1: Okay. Alex's
0: so, mom is a musical theater teacher, so the, he knows. The all beginning the stuff.
1: reminds me of the musical Gypsy. The musical Gypsy is about these two sisters, and one of them is a child vaudeville star, who's you know baby doll and preening and curtsying and cutesy and the other sister is like the ugly duckling the no talent in the wings and it gives me a lot of those feelings but this one takes it to like you get it all distilled instead of needing a two-hour movie to do it it's all distilled in this one scene it's one sequence and you see that you know I love that baby Jane, little baby Jane, she's in her little ringlets and her little sweet dress. And it's all white and pastels. And they've got this doll, this representation of how perfect she is.
0: Insanely and, creepy. Oh, yes, totally creepy. <laughs> and she's so an apple
1: of her father's eye. And yeah. and you notice that the, the mother and Blanche, young Blanche, are in the wings of the theater. And they're kind of in drab colors. Yeah. They're out of sight. Um, Blanche's well, just hair. just imagine
0: that. They don't have seats.
1: Yeah, they don't have seats. They're just standing That's there. a
0: visual cue right away to what the fuck is happening in Absolutely. this. Like, they've Absolutely. They've seen this act how many times, right? Oh, like, why are they, are they
1: forced to stand in the wings? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And And so one of the things I love is that you know, as they're making their way out of the theater and little baby Jane wants ice cream and everyone's kowtowing to this child because she's the family meal ticket. Yeah. And well, th-
0: this is the great moment, right? See, that part is brilliant. Cause on the stage, remember when the dad went out and she like missed Mr. Q, mm-hmm. right? Like his moment to like link with her. She kind of blew it off. Like I'm still the star. She's spinning around and you can see the dad like that little piece of shit. But yeah. then he goes to the piano and gets back. And the moment I love, right, is when they go outside and she's like, I want fucking ice cream now. And he's just like, all right, all right, trying to be cool because he knows this is bad for business. Yeah. And then he's like, uh, you know, well, okay, you and your sister can get ice cream. And she's trying to be cool. Blanche, she's like, you know what? I'm good. He's like, what are you doing? And he snaps on her yes. in an instant. It's, I, I am obsessed with this era of filmmaking. I just feel like there was a lot more precision in script writing, right? Mm-hmm. That moment is so scalpel sharp. Yes. And it expands such a wound that we can fucking fill with so much of what the kind of pathology of this family is. I I love those moments. And this movie is loaded with them. But it also shows because it's this cool moment that shows you, too. Right. The dad is hurt and the Mm -hmm. dad. You can imagine the wife. Right. Like, oh, he only likes the daughter. They probably work together all the time. Yep. She has to be pampered. I can't parent that. Like you can't parent baby Jane. Right. Right? You can't respect the dad for what he's doing. Uh Blanche is always getting screamed at cuz she's not the talent. It's just so but what I like about it too is it it sets up this neuroses uh baby Jane down the road really mm-hmm. well.
1: Well, and two at it, it, after that outburst and the father yells at Blanche. Mm-hmm. then the mother steps in and says, you know, someday I hope that you'll be, I, I'm paraphrasing. I don't remember the oh, exact yeah. line. I hope that yeah, you'll be, it, you'll be. Once
0: all the spotlight's on you. Yes. I hope you'll be kinder. You'll be to kinder. Them. Yeah, kinder to them than they are with you. This got back to me, because this is, I'm so glad you brought that up. I totally forgot about it. But this is a moment I think is wildly important to the Joan Crawford arc we were talking about. Mm-hmm. So in that moment, because there's this wild disconnect with me that I didn't piece together till near the end of the movie. When Blanche, one, the fact that the mom said, I hope you'll be kinder to them, right? It's the fact that she's just that kind of decent lady yeah. in this circumstance is strange. But when Blanche says, oh, I'll never forget, it's like a dun-dun-dun. Yeah. And we cut to the rest of the movie, Joan Crawford's being so genial. Mm-hmm. Even as it's getting worse and worse, she's like, I don't want to tell baby Jane I'm trying to put her in an asylum. I don't want to tell her I'm selling the house out from under her. Um, She's afraid, but also kind of like tiptoeing around these issues, right? I, that threw me for a loop, right? Yeah. Because she was so mad. It took me, it was something that started nagging me about halfway through the movie as I'm like, where was that fire and why did she forget? Yeah. What did that moment do for you as you were watching the movie?
1: It's – especially now with repeat viewings, like I zeroed in on that because it's – I think it's – it sets up for Blanche the push and pull that she's going to have the rest of her life. Yeah. And so, you know, she she's, a, she's keenly aware – that baby Jane is the pampered star and that she's the second class citizen. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's been tasked by her mother to be the kinder one. Um, And so I, I think it's, it's something that she struggles with and you see her kind of go back and forth. Like there's moments, there's a moment later in the film where she is confronting baby Jane about why are you making me afraid to eat? And, um, right, right. You know, what's up with the phone? And she's, she's questioning her. She's challenging her for once. And she, and she is accusing her. Like, why are you being like this to me? And baby Jane's like being like what? And it's like, she can't even verbalize it. Like the anger is there, but it's like, she won't give, she won't fully give into it. And I think it's, you know, it's not till we get further down that we find out that they've had this, this weird tit for tat where they've taken turns depending on each other. Mm-hmm. And they, and she, I think, always goes back to that, oh, I'm going to be nicer to them than they were to me. But there's all this <laughs> passive aggressive, like yeah. weird shit going on.
0: I think that's the thing I latched on to is it's that movie where I'm waiting for the catharsis, right? Mm-hmm. Where I'm like. Fucking scream, yell at her, give it to her. Yeah. What are you doing? Right. You said you'd never forget. Be angry. And the the thing they do that is clever, right, is they they swing it back where we know that Blanche was obviously this the biggest movie star, right. And Baby Jane was not, right. We watch her bomb, and they're like, we got to get rid of this fucking dead weight, whatever. Then we see a car crash happens, and next thing you know, they've debilitated Blanche, right. Now Mm -hmm. she's in a wheelchair, she's crippled and paralyzed. So it's a clever trick because there is this level of now blanche is afraid, right? Both physically and she is it's very important that she has someone who can actually take care of her. Yeah. As you go through the movie though, I think this is one of the things that I would give Joan Crawford immense credit for is the longer you watch into this movie, you can imagine there's some part of her that loves. Yes. That baby Jane has to fucking bring her her food, and you see her loving pressing that fucking buzzer. Right, she doesn't press it once. It's yes. that to me is the 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 cue of the movie of there's something darker going on mm-hmm. with Blanche in this movie. The, uh,
1: the buzzer, she and she keeps hitting it, yeah. and you're listening to it, and and it's like you're just like you know this is gonna set her off
0: exactly but that's what i mean because even you're like well now i'm back with jane it's like stop bringing the fucking buzzer Mm -hmm. like what the fuck is wrong with you but jane is doing all this shady stuff where you're like okay you know it's just that but that's what i think is really clever is they build in this this obvious kind of battle right Mm -hmm. which is a crippled lady who wants to sell her house and uh the sister who realizes it's coming to an end and wants to you know take more for herself And once you realize there's this extra needling going on, right? It's almost like imagine Cinderella's stepsister, right? They fucked with her a whole Mm -hmm. life. Now she got the glass slipper and the prince and she's like, hey, uh, I'm going to make sure that my royal carriage goes past your house (laughs) once a week. (laughs) You know, that is the best revenge. Oh, yeah. In a way. And there's because this is the other question that struck me early in the movie is why the fuck does baby Jane live in this house? Yeah. Like, why would she? Because by the end of the movie, she's fighting desperately to keep this house. She even, she does the classic thing that Jane does this whole movie, which is reinvent her narrative, Uh, you know, by kind of separating, you mm-hmm. know, into like the baby Jane persona. Um, And she's like, oh, my money bought this house. Daddy bought me this house, right? She rewrites her dad as this chivalrous hero right. instead of her whipping boy. So there's a lot of that going on. But as a viewer, I was sitting there wondering, why would Jane so desperately want to be in this house? What are your opinions on that?
1: It's and this is one of the cool things about the movie, right? Because, yeah, you're watching it and you're like. Surely. At one point. There was enough money that Blanche could have had someone in there to care for her. Right. Right. And wouldn't have needed baby Jane to be there to care for her. Yeah. Surely. Or that
0: baby Jane, the alcoholic, would be like, I don't want to wake up and make you fucking right. breakfast and hear the buzzer.
1: <laughs> right. Surely at some point you would have thought to put, you would have had the means to put one of those, uh, those staircase like, uh, chair. chairs. staircase the chairs, yeah. 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 Like, there's a lot of things that they could do to make this situation so that baby Jane... Isn't her direct caregiver. Yeah. But baby Jane is, I mean, she's there. And I think it's it's towards the end of the movie. Once the walls start closing in, and Jane realizes that the jig is up, she's gonna get caught, they're gonna know what she did. There's like a switch. And she comes to Blanche and she's like pleading with Blanche, Blanche, tell oh, me what man, to do. Yeah. What do I do? And it's like at that moment that we see that even though Jane resents having to take care of Blanche, she also needs Blanche. And it's like they've created this situation where they depend on each other.
0: Yeah yeah no that that scene when she comes to blanche it's just because she's doing this like meltdown on the stairs like what am i gonna
1: do Mm -hmm.
0: she runs to her sister who's tied up near death duct tape on the mouth and it's just like but it's so haunting the way she's you know elvira made me do it like i would never do that i'm good elvira it's like telling that to a person that she has bound and gagged yeah it's the the falling apart i think that's the scariest part right is they're they're both scary characters kind of in different ways Mm which is Baby Jane feels you know like her development was so arrested, and she could never escape the this false premise that she was more and when constantly confronted with the fact that she was not more and she's not the spotlight has no need for her mm-hmm. she becomes an alcoholic and by clinging close enough to her sister, she still can get a shot, there's the line I love, which is um you know her dad. As she's singing horribly, is like, Daddy said I could never lose my talent, right? You can lose everything else, but you'll never lose your talent. And I think that kind of naive, hope springs eternal mentality is very important to Baby Jane. And is what's kept her in this fucking arrested state. Like, even when she meets Edwin, she's like, I want to redo my act the same as it was. And so her ability to do these things are what made her successful. But what are now literally collapsing her entire psyche yeah and it's fucking it's really scary yeah and but Joan Crawford in a way is scary as well we learn later that there's more going on but this I don't know it's it's kind of it gets back a little bit to Carrie right this are you helping baby Jane yeah you know are you helping her by doing this kind of you know show of her being your butler and making her deal like have fights with Elvira and all like Mm-hmm. It, it, that's what I think is so fun about this movie is that these are two women who are actors first, right? And they've always been together, but they obviously don't love each other that much. And it feels like even their sisterhood is roles that they're playing. Yes. Now. So there's so much dishonesty and deception built in. It's hard for us as the audience to ever feel comfortable, even with feeling empathetic for Blanche, because it always feels like a ruse. Yes. Everything in this movie.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, you, you. there's always this. Well, And that's one of the things I love about the Elvira character. Yes. Elvira is all of us. Like, when Elvira comes in that first, uh, the first day that she shows up to clean the house, mm. and Blanche asks her how she's doing, and Elvira's clearly not feeling it. And she's talking to Blanche about, she's talking to her about Jane and like, no, like something is not right. She is not right. It's worse. Yeah. And it's, and you can kind of see that she's kind of disturbed and she's, and she's kind of disturbed by how Blanche is unwilling or unable to face facts and take action. Right like right you can see it all in her face that she is just like I do not understand <laughs> I do well, not
0: Elvira is a no-nonsense character yes. right yeah and every other character is just all nonsense right mm-hmm. even Edwin is just all a ruse right he's this pompous like look at me on this everyone in this movie is just rewriting a version of themselves that they think will get them their next score yeah and what you find is as Elvira is just telling her the very logical, very obvious anything. um, Even as simple as Joan Crawford just saying, like, hey, I'm scared. Don't leave. Right. Right. Like, stay with me for this week. Right. Just move into the house for a small bit while we do this transition. Right. Mm-hmm. It's a month away. It's so obvious that we know it's obvious that then this duplicitous house. Right. We're just like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. And. But I think that there's this part of Blanche, too, that that the subtle part of her descent is not only that she is also kind of a role, but I do think she has to take a little ownership over creating this monster. Yes. Right. Giving her sister false hope for movies and laughing as her films are only released foreign or not Mm -hmm. released and bring me my fucking food. And later we find out even more. But so I think that's the part I like is that this isn't just a damsel in distress and, you know, ivory tower. This is, this is getting to the very nature of how we value ourselves. And do we really love people around or are they all just kind of props in our, our play? It's, there's just so much going on constantly. There's a lot of gray area. Yeah.
1: So much gray in this movie.
0: I mean, it's a great, cause even the the cutaways that I thought were strange, I'm like, why are they doing the neighbors so much? Mm. Right? But it's also because I think there's a moment when she comes in and she's like, Mom, you look like you had a fight. And she's like, I don't know that I didn't. And she's furious. But then <laughs> yeah. her daughter's like, come on, chill out. And she's like, you're right, okay. And I think it's a moment for us to just be in a normal house. Yeah. Like, this is how human beings interact, right? In a family. And then we cut to this, you know, house of terror next door and we just realized we're it's hard for people watching movies to understand this life um you live in california i lived Mm -hmm. in los angeles for over a decade right i knew a lot of people that wanted to be actors and this and that and one of the things that becomes exhausting about la is everyone's on the verge of making it everyone's on the hustle and the take i miss it now that i'm in indiana i miss this everyone's like striving for a greater purpose But it's also really obnoxious. And I had friends that were really successful. And you hear people be like, oh, you know this guy? And their wheels are spinning. Like, how can I use you to get to this guy I don't know to get what I want? Right. And that kind of unsure footing is just exhausting. But, again, I worry about – because they use the motif of the doll too, right? That Mm -hmm. when the doll's face is broken, it's just a hollow, empty space inside. And it's all just facade is – when your whole life is that game is I'm only as valuable as people watching me. Yes. Right. Cause we see Joan Crawford with the fan mailer. Oh, the neighbor lady liked my movie that mattered enormously to her. Yes. Right. Both for her and the fact that they didn't love Jay.
1: Yeah. Well, so and she's watching her film. Emptiness. It's playing on the yeah. TV and she's watching herself. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But I love that moment. Just like, you know, just knowing that the neighbor lady liked it. Yeah enough to come knock on the door, you're like, oh my God, it's kind of sad. Yeah. It's kind of sad, right? I mean, that's what I think is fun, is that you get the feeling that I don't know who either of these women are by the end of the movie.
1: Yeah. Well, and they don't either.
0: Yeah. I'm like, are they just actual baby Jane? And who's Blanche by the end? I was like, is it the kid Blanche? Is it the movie star Blanche? The genial sister? Like, She's a little more gray area. Baby yeah. Jane, you're like, oh, she's just gone. She's well, it, fucking gone. <laughs> I think
1: one of the one of my favorite moments is at the end when Blanche comes clean. About okay. The right, you're accident. talking about on
0: the beach, right? Yes, on the beach. All right. Let's let me pause this and ask you a specific question. Okay. Please do. Do you like that ending. Do you like that beat in this story?
1: You know. In earlier. Other times that I've watched this. I've questioned. Is this the best way. For this to play out. Right. But this time. And in some of my most recent watches. Thinking about the dynamic between the two. I and mean, thinking about all that gray area. And the tit for tat between these two sisters. Mm-hmm. I actually really like it and I I like as she's she's telling the story of what happened that night and she says I crippled myself. Yeah. And for once Ooh, she's That
0: just, is a good line.
1: Matter of fact, like it's that's like a literal truth. Mm. She crashed the car and caused herself to be injured and paraplegic but she also like she continues to cripple herself by perpetuating this relationship with her sister
0: right well it's the weird it's kind of a cyclical thing right yeah she crippled herself and crippled her sister completely yes. broke her sister's psyche who that now she has to rely on there's kind of this frankenstein like mm-hmm. i created the monster that's destroying me moment yep what i dig about it she has this line I adore, which is uh you weren't ugly before. Yeah. I even did that to you, right? Which yeah. is you were a, a vapid piece of shit, right? Maybe really rude. You thought you were better. We found out she was punching set security guards and you right. know, maybe had a drinking problem. But I love that you weren't ugly before, right? And it you get the feeling she's not talking about, you the know, the look appearance. and the makeup. It's she's she's a twisted being inside now. Yeah. After that moment, she lost everything, right? That Blanche's wild success at least gave her something to anchor her to reality. And so I do think – and it explains a lot throughout the rest of the movie, right? Mm-hmm. That every time she wants to scream and it feels like she's choking it back because she doesn't want to admit out loud that she's not the morally superior sister. Yes. I I think I'm with you because I was watching it today and I was like – That feels like one of those just, we need something shocking for the end, right? Like, we don't want to throw Joan off a bridge. We don't want to, you know, see her dead. We need to give her something, so let's twist it up. But then the more I've sat with it, I think it has really fun ripple effects back throughout the the rest of the story we've seen. Yeah, that's a wild moment. Because that just felt, when she said it, I had forgotten that was a thing. Yeah, I hadn't seen this probably in like 15 years. I was like, what the fuck? I was like, she did it. Because I was like, how bad are these crime scene investigators? But then you're like, oh, she crawled up. Okay, the doll was broken. I Right. I, 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 I've settled on I like it a lot more, right? The more yeah. I sat with it today, I was like, that's actually pretty clever. And again, I like the playing too. I think a movie like this doesn't work. If we just know that Joan Crawford is squeaky clean. Yeah. Like she's the saintly sister who became famous, kept trying to give her sister a chance. Her sister crippled her. And then look at her. She's still trying to be good. Right.
1: Nobody wants that. I
0: mean, yeah. It's it's not a fun. Then it's just like a torturous movie. Yes. You know, it reminds me. There's this movie I watched. It's called an American crime. I think it's Kathleen Keener. is mm-hmm. a. Mon- it actually took place in Indiana. It's a real story. And uh, she had these adopted kids and, you know, just went apeshit. And so Ellen Page plays her daughter. And essentially Kathleen Keener to punish her like ties her up in the basement, lets Ooh. local boys have runs at her. Oh no. And it's one of these where I'm watching it and I'm like, these are good actors, but what the fuck? Right. <laughs> right.
1: Like, right.
0: You know, there's no kind of like, well, these are equally morally ambiguous characters. It's just hard to watch at times, right? And I think this movie has that that and again I think it's a waste of an actress like Joan Crawford to not give her something to do. Yeah. You don't need Joan Crawford to just go, Oh, Yeah, Yeah. you got to you got to have something there. I don't know. And it's it's also it's a nice tieback. I think you've completely sold me on it now
1: because I like the
0: tieback to the angry. I'll never forget. Yeah. Right. But then all she tried to do was forget. Mm hmm. Oh, man, I dig it. I dig it more now.
1: and, And and when you get to that point and if you think back on the movie, there's. There's a couple of times where she brings up like there's something i want to tell you and the first couple of oh times you see it, like might are thinking it's just about the asylum but it's not just about the asylum
0: holy shit yeah
1: and you get like and a couple of times like the accident gets mentioned and baby jane shuts it down and blanche doesn't press because blanche isn't ready to own it yet
0: right but she gets
1: close a couple of times wow and so finally at the end she finally lets it out.
0: Razor sharp script. Razor oh, it's sharp. So That's good. A, I never thought of that. That's really cool. I'm going to have to rewatch it again and see those scenes.
1: And I think the other cool thing about it too, which because it's out of Baby Jane's mouth, it's kind of creepy, but like if you think about it a little more, it's actually like kind of heartbreaking <laughs> when Baby Jane says you mean we could have been friends. Oh, uh, okay, that
0: part fucking murdered me because one yes. you probably couldn't have right but she is just in this tumultuous sea of <laughs> crimes right like these are full-on murder crimes right like she's yeah. in big trouble and there's just this it's the weird thing that in saying that blanche fulfills her oath to her mom not in the cynical way of i'll never forget but she actually gives her sister one moment. She gives her that kind of life raft moment where cling to this is you are fully losing your mind and are about to go to jail forever. And I'm about to die. Here's one act of decency, right? Cause in that moment, she could have kept the cruelty of enjoying watching her sister have to face these things. Oh, for sure. Right. And the suffer the consequence that that moment, that line is devastating, right? We could have been friends, and then she goes and gets cherry strawberry ice cream mm-hmm. for her and Blanche. And you get the sense that she ordered the strawberries because that's what she thinks Blanche would like. Yeah. Right? Because she does that. I don't know what kind of flavor I want. It's like, come on. Everyone knows what flavor they want. Yeah. And it's it's just this fucking ultimately gut-wrenching moment of her. And the part that really seals it is when she is just they surrounded by people, right? And the mm-hmm. cops are telling her. And she just kind of starts dancing. Yeah. Just falls back into the baby Jane yeah. uh, defensive shell, right? Of I'll just do my act.
1: So Carrie, we had spinning. We had yeah. we had spinning in Carrie. So this film, we have spinning too. We have two. earlier. Yeah, too. Yeah. Earlier, you've got Blanche spinning in her wheelchair. She's freaked out. She's like, doesn't know what to do. She's hysterical. All that fear and whatever else she's feeling which she hasn't eaten and this is bad bad news and then at the right. end you have baby jane twirling dancing and she's she has this moment of just happiness she's yeah see,
0: i wonder it. what that moment is yeah like could she actually be feeling happiness or is this just like a I need to vacate the headspace yeah and jane hudson is gone and now it's just baby jane yeah right? now she's just like a batman villain she's just this hollow void of crime that'll be in an asylum <laughs> but blanche's spin is so much more fascinating at the point of the movie because it's just this the futility of the gesture mm-hmm. she has so much going on and she can't do anything and it hits at that moment where it's like you still have things you can do your windows are always open yeah. You can go down those stairs, right? The fact that she never goes down the stairs I think is important, too. Because we see when Edwin comes in, right? Baby Jane has done the living room up with all Baby Jane pictures. You get the sense that she might not have gone down those stairs since the accident. Yeah. That that's not her place anymore, Uh, which is weird because it's her house and she's selling it. So there's just so much impotence in the -hmm. the blanche you know kind of struggle at this point that it's so fucking frustrating to watch yeah like even when edwin's in the house it's like when blanche goes to get tea, start fucking screaming oh for sure it's so and i think that's kind of the cool when you had two actresses of this caliber and you still believe in them to give you that one last Mm -hmm. great moment you just let them and i again i i'm with you i love the fact that it's just you end the movie and you're like, oh God, they're all just kind of not great, <laughs> right? There's no there's no clear cut <laughs> truth because think about your own life, right? And I think of this in mind, there's, I don't know a villain, right? But I know a right. lot of people that have done shitty things. Sure. And I'll still be friends with and they'll hurt me again and keep doing shitty things. And I know a lot of people probably <laughs> feel that way about me. And it's just, that's kind of how we all are. And what I like is that you do this kind of kabuki theater version of it with Mm. this movie but in a way when all of us leave our homes right how much of the day are any of us truly being authentically ourselves yeah it's fucking scary man just most of us don't have dolls of ourselves you know (laughs) (laughs) that it's i i just i don't think this movie gets because that I, I hear this, too, right? Like, I feel like it's not remembered by horror communities because it's kind of pedestrian and like, oh, she kills a lady with a hammer. I'm like, that's a big moment.
1: It's a it's a big moment.
0: Imagine being like, I'm going to murder the maid with a <laughs> hammer as I've tied my – like, these are actually – this gets back to what I talk about with some horror movie fans is uh, there's this debate about what is actually scary. Right. And I was like, leather, like, Jason Voorhees is not scary to me because I don't camp, nor do I, like, know zombies. Right. I'm an adult. Everything is fucking terrifying when you have kids and a marriage and yeah. bills. And this movie strikes on a lot of that, right? Like family troubles interfering in your day to day, the house, the, you know, this and that, the growing old and being useless. Right? Yes. Like, there's one so of, much actual dread in this movie.
1: One of my favorite parts is. So she's been served the parakeet. Yeah. Totally traumatized. So the next yeah. time Blanche brings her food, she keeps, like, she puts her hand on the the tray cover mm-hmm. and, and taking it off. And, and she can't bring herself to uncover it. She's scared to eat. She's yeah. scared of what's there. Blanche yeah. has managed to make her afraid to eat. Yeah. And she can't go get her own food.
0: And then nails it home by taking a bite of yes. it the next day and then removing the tray. But that, that's what I mean, though, right? You yeah. nailed it. When you imagine in your own home being afraid to eat, that's fucking terrifying. It's messed up. And I feel like this movie just people, they don't give it the credit it deserves yeah. for how fucking scary this. I mean, this movie to me, like that is my biggest fear is just this loss of mind. Mm -hmm. right so there's there's a lot happening here that purely terrifies me and again i'm I'm wildly uncomfortable with the way they just don't present like they're actually human beings and that they're always just trying to outact each other right yeah that's even a line in mommy dearest i I thought about in this one (laughs) which is when the daughter's like why did you adopt me and she's like i wanted something to love and she goes don't fucking act for me and I was like,
1: oh, so fuck, good. what a line, right? It's so good.
0: It's so good. And that's what this movie is, right? Mm-hmm. Don't act for me. Like, just someone be honest. Someone be a yeah. real person in this movie. And who knows how this goes? It's, I don't know. It's, it's a very duplicitous film. And so I like the I have area. a
1: question for you. This is, this is something okay. that I was thinking about this time. I was thinking about Edwin Flagg.
0: Yes, my boy. I loved Edwin. I was thinking about Edwin Edwin. Flagg.
1: I was thinking about what function he serves in the film. And I was especially thinking about Edwin Flagg and the scenes with his mother. The scenes where he's at home with his mother. Tell me what you think about Edwin Flagg. I'm curious.
0: First off, just... A guy that I wish had been in more movies, I love his look. Yeah. I love his performance. His facial expressions are just captivating to me this whole movie. When he's playing the piano and looking at Jane Singh, <laughs> I fucking adore it. Like just that kind of <laughs> just dripping with condescension that oh, she yeah. can't pick up. His mother, though, is fascinating because <laughs> we kind of get the twofold where. The first time we see him, he's this giant man baby in pajamas where his mom is, you know, arthritic to the point she can't work. And he's like, how are we going to get money? And it's like, get your giant able bodied ass up and go make money. Right.
1: You're a grown ass
0: mom. Yeah. His mom even has to call about the gig. (laughs) And then the moment he thinks he's got a little something for himself. The next time we see him and his mom, he's fucking screaming at his mom about who this lady is. And it was really devastating for me. I'm like, don't talk to your mom that yeah. way. And then she even says, like, she was f uh, you know, baby Jane was found with a dude in a hotel room she didn't know. And Edwin fucking goes in and he's like, you know, isn't that how I was conceived? Yes! And it was like, What the fuck, Edwin? Why are you doing this? <laughs> and then he's stumbling around her house drunk. So yeah. there's this weird it shows again to a lesser degree. The damage of people pretending to be what they're not. Yes. Cause they're kind of this in between of the Hudson's and the neighbors mm-hmm. where they function very much like a real family, but are dysfunctional, and the dysfunction springs from, you know, being facetious about what you're doing. Yeah. Right. And who you are and your import. Yeah. And so it's it's a little less innocuous version of, you know, oh, I've taped my sister up and I'm starving her to right. death. Right. Well, yeah, but it's still it's a similar trajectory. It
1: is. One of the things that really struck me this time around was that, you know, it's clear when Edwin's in the house and he's with baby Jane. He, you know, behind her back, he's making all these faces. It's clear he's not under any delusion about who baby Jane is. This is a paycheck. Yeah, he's going to tell her whatever she wants to hear. He wants to get paid up front. He's not actually trying to be friends with this woman but
0: it's he weird has though because they play it a little bit and I don't know if you got this they play it a little bit like he's willing to do the boyfriend thing
1: if he has to
0: yeah right that part I was like ooh, that's cringy Edwin
1: and he he lets his mother believe that's what's happening
0: oh my god I didn't even think about that think right because he's like we're going on date yes uh, <laughs> Edwin, you scum. He's
1: letting his mother believe that because it clearly bothers her. Right. Holy shit. It clearly bothers her that he could have interest or intentions with this woman.
0: So she's kind of happy mom who's supporting her son. And then they fight about it when he might get his chance. Yeah. And then she'll become old and forgotten. Yeah. There's a lot going on. There's a
1: lot going on.
0: The scene with Edwin that cracks me the fuck up is when he gets his baby Jane doll and he has this face of like,
1: oh, (laughs) thank
0: you. And he has to pretend to care. (laughs) But then when he sets her in the chair and he goes riding around with the like wrap on his head. Oh, my. Yeah. I was like, there's something about Edwin. That is also kind of very repressed and sick of being this because he talks constantly about how he was English and his dad was nobility. Mm -hmm. His dad was an artist. And in this moment, he's just kind of like, nah, I'm just drunk and fucking around. And I love the way he just kind of casually throws about the baby Jane doll and then Jane herself when he goes upstairs. Yeah. And I think you get the sense that Edwin might be done forever with show business after
1: this. He might be.
0: <laughs> or this will be his, I can write the tell-all book, and he'll just be the new, like, baby Huey Jane. You know what I mean?
1: <laughs> yeah. It could go either way.
0: Yeah, that's actually really funny you mentioned that. the Edwin and his mom – there's a lot going on in those scenes.
1: There's a lot going on in those scenes, and in in previous viewings, I was always kind of like, "Does the movie need this?" And I don't know if it does. it's so
0: Funny too, like all those scenes are played for comedic. Yeah. Heat. And this is something I struggle with because I'm not a huge fan of horrors and not horrors, but you know what I mean? horror and thrillers. Right. <laughs> Just a clarification for our our audience. <laughs> uh that stopped the pressure cooker to do jokes right right like that's just once i'm in the mystery like i want to see what blanche is going through and how baby jane's going to kill and keep hiding it the interjection of edwin becoming more comical as the movie goes on yeah feels like such a weird choice but i think what it does too is it lays bare the absurdity of these artist types yeah like baby jane Letting him in, period, after Blanche says you sh- it might be Edwin. Yeah. The fact that she is so fucking deluded that she's like, I can perform my way out of this trouble, I think is an important moment. Yeah. Right? I, I don't know. It's one of those weird moments where as, as it gets more comedic, I don't think it really takes away from... It almost actually increases the drama, right? Because yeah. we're like, "Fuck!" Now someone's in there that's gonna find the crimes. Yeah. Even as it's a big drunken buffoon. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a really weird. I guess I didn't. I guess I never put enough stock in what Edwin's doing and for what the he's movie. doing.
1: Well, and as I you're, just have always
0: liked the performance, but I never thought about it past that.
1: Past the function. Well, and as you're talking, what comes to mind is that like the juxtaposition between Elvira and him. Yeah. Jane is doing everything she possibly can to get Elvira out of the house because Elvira is, Elvira is what you see is what you get. She's a rational,
0: a normal adult, person.
1: practical, well-adjusted yeah. <laughs> person For who sure. sniffs out that something's not right here. Edwin, on the other hand, is, I mean, he's got his own little flights of fancy going on. He's got his own weird, fake thing. Oh, for sure. Baby Jane's willing to let him in, and she's thinking they can even be friends. And that is part of what opens the door for this whole thing to come out.
0: And there's almost even more than friends but like he's she sees him as almost a sycophant right where because he keeps stroking her ego and i wish Mm -hmm. daddy was here i love this there's the great scene and this might be the best summary of kind of the artist hollywood thing that they're trying to do when her and edwin are having their conversation but they're talking past each other yes which is oh well i know because i used to do this and this and then he's like but my father you know and like they're talking kind of about the same things but never through the conversations not – they don't meld because they're constantly just giving their own like from my point of view. Right. And that – but see, that's what I mean. That's one of those subtle – it's cringy. You're like, oh, God, it's so gross and uncomfortable. Yeah. But it does – that kind of scene is not going to get enough credit as it should. But those scenes laid out constantly as we are trapped in this house like Blanche <laughs> – Really become <laughs> overwhelming by the end. I think one of the most jarring things in the movie is when you're at the beach and you're just like, "Oh, thank God! Like I can breathe again."
1: Yeah, you know what I yeah. mean. Yeah, open space.
0: Yeah, it. God, yeah, I, I think back too because there's that, and you're like, oh, "I can breathe again," but then you're like, "Is she just dying on that beach?" Yeah, and then when Jane is bouncing the ball with those kids. You're like, oh, God, psychos and kids. Like, this is all those wrong. Those
1: kids. Like, yeah. those kids are traumatized.
0: <laughs> Can we throw away the murder ball? I'm over <laughs> it. So, if you had to wrap up, Carmelita, if you had to wrap up your kind of consensus on what you love about this movie and why you think people should go back and give it a rewatch, what would your summary be?
1: I think... Baby Jane as an exploration of the human condition is so worth the price of admission. You get stuff that's like truly unsettling, balanced with a little campy humor. This film is so rewatchable. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's one that you can enjoy just like throwing popcorn in your mouth and laughing and commenting on all the insane stuff that happens. But you can also watch it by yourself and really dig into all the little details. There's so much there. I would yeah. encourage people to go back and give it a shot.
0: I I think maybe it was the nature of it was harder to make movies back in this mm-hmm. period. So I think there's something about when you had less products coming out, maybe more work went in before you started. There's just so many razor sharp things like this is is probably like the fourth or fifth time I've seen it. And I learned new things today just talking to you because something you saw. And I think the sharpness of it, the visual style of it is captivating to me. It's the way they kind of draw you in initially and then just make that house collapse upon Mm -hmm. you. You feel like you're trapped, buried alive in a coffin by the end. That that kind of visual storytelling technique I find fascinating. The other thing about this movie that I think you just cannot understate is these two women at this spot taking roles that are probably wildly uncomfortably close to their real lives and the fact that they hate each other. Yeah. Coming together for this one project, right? Putting all of that aside and coming together and just crushing this movie. Just these two actresses giving you phenomenal, layered, deep performances. Uh, Considering all the other stuff, it's, I mean, that alone is just wild. Yeah, it's, I I love when actors get kind of close to home territory. Because I Mm. think it's even more personal. I think there's those little extra beats that you just wouldn't have gotten from you know, other people at that point. So, I I think you picked an amazing double header. If you had to pick, better to spend time in the Hudson House or watch Carrie White, knowing what's coming.
1: Oh man!
0: As far as rewatchability, which one hurts more when you rewatch?
1: It? Oh, I mean rewatchability. oh Gosh,
0: I think they're both high on my list after this.
1: Yeah, I mean they are. It just depends on what I'm, mood you're in.
0: It's weird because I actually think I'm going to go Baby Jane because Carrie is so brutal. Yeah. I think the movie is better on a rewatch than even a first watch because that, you know, hour to an hour 20 is so fucking devastating and uncomfortable. Yeah. And this one's kind of a fun – it's almost a whodunit with only two people. Yeah. And you kind of know who done it the whole time, right? So it's a <laughs> – it's more of a you done it <laughs> than who's it who does it at the end. I don't know. I, I think you picked a phenomenal double feature.
1: I'm glad it was enjoyable for you.
0: And you made me watch Mommy Dearest on accident. And you watched Mommy <laughs>
1: Dearest, which is
0: yeah, my kids That's will benefit from me.
1: It's to get <laughs> my kids watching. will
0: benefit from me watching that movie because I've been on extra good behavior today. You're
1: like I do changed. love you, boys. <laughs> yeah,
0: I will never hit my kids with wire hangers now. Off the table, yeah. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Carmelita, for joining us. I hope you'll come back soon. I'd love it. It was a delight. (laughs) All right, guys, as always, thank you for listening. If you can leave us a rating and review wherever you find the pod, please do. You can find us on YouTube as well at Nerd Alchemist. That's plural with an S at the end. Um, If you could take the time, share this pod with one of your movie-loving friends. That's a really good way for us to spread the show. We appreciate all the work you've been doing. We see it. We appreciate it um alex will be back with me next thursday for home for the holidays a truly terrifying uh dinner (laughs) experience uh with your chicago and families so once again i just want to thank carmelita thank you so i don't know what i was waiting for there i gave you like a (laughs) respond to me now no uh i hope you had fun i had a great time we'll make her come back soon uh with another awesome double feature oh this was awesome thanks oh yeah for the film Alchemist, I'm Josh Griffey. Bye. And she's Baby Jane Hudson. Not just kidding.
1: I've written a letter to Daddy.
0: That's it. Show's over. It's too scary now. <laughs>